0: Uh, welcome to another take 15 episode from cfa institute i'm dave larraby and today i'm joined by gus sauter gus is chief investment officer at vanguard And in his 25 years there, he's seen assets in the firm's flagship index funds grow from under $10 billion to over a trillion dollars in assets. Uh, More recently, Gus has led Vanguard's successful push into the ETF market. Gus, welcome. Thank you, Dave. You've been one of indexing's staunchest advocates over the years. Uh, Is there a place for active management in an investor's portfolio?
1: Yeah, I think there there is. Uh, for the right type of investor. So our belief in indexing is not based on the efficient market hypothesis. Our belief in indexing is is uh, based on what I'll call the layman's case for indexing. and It's the the realization that an aggregate investors in total can only get the market rate of return. In total investors own the market so they're going to get the market rate of return. Perhaps half of them can outperform the market, the other half would have to underperform the market. When you introduce costs into the equation, costs are actually quite substantial. No longer does the average investor get the market rate of return, they get the market minus costs. And so, marginal outperformers before costs become underperformers after costs. So, you're left with a situation where um, really only a minority of investors can actually outperform the market and, and that means that getting the market rate of return will will outperform a majority of investors and that's why an index fund is is a good way to gain market exposure. But that argument doesn't rule out active management. It does allow for the fact that there can be some investors that essentially take advantage of other investors. They find a stock that somebody else is willing to sell them at too cheap a price. and and they can make money. But it's, it's a tough game, but uh, we think um, active can be used well to complement passive if you have the risk appetite.
0: Now we may never reach this point, but hypothetically speaking, if an ever-growing percentage of investors uh, went to passive management, um, at what point uh, does market efficiency break down?
1: You know, I, I think um, you, you'd find some uh, inflection point. So, it, you know, you could argue that as more and more of the market gets indexed, the efficiency starts to erode. But if it eroded too much, that would entice people to actively pursue active management again and would draw more people in. So I think there's probably some level at which you'll find uh, a balance. And I don't think we're anywhere near that balance. I think indexing will grow considerably from here. But I don't worry at all that uh, you know, we'll ever impair the efficiency of the marketplace mm-hmm. because
0: there's just too much incentive for people to to cure inefficiencies. hmm Now, critics of traditional uh, cap-weighted indexing argue that uh, it overweights expensive assets, underweights cheap assets, and leaves uh, investors with lower returns and higher risk. Is that a fair criticism of indexing? No. Uh, uh,
1: we know that cap weighted indexing basically provides you the market rate of return. And the argument I just gave as to why that's a good thing, then the question becomes uh, okay, can you do better than that? You know, can you underweight overvalued stocks or overweight undervalued stocks? Well, um, who's to say that any of these alternative indexing structures do a better job than just a cap weighted index? There's no, you can't find a layman's case. That simple layman's case I laid out for why cap-weighted indexing works—you can't find a simple layman's case for alternative index structures and say, well, therefore, you know, this drops out. Uh, you're you're basically making an argument that you know what stocks are are overvalued and which ones are undervalued. It's 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 active management. It's not an index strategy. It's not um, uh, by any means. Uh, another way of indexing, it's a way of taking bets against the market, a way of taking bets against a standard index. So um, so I don't think it is at all a valid complaint against indexing. It's trying to make the argument that, that somebody's come up with a rules-based, active way to
0: outperform. You know, I'm just skeptical that it's that easy to outperform. Okay. So you're alluding to, I think, fundamental indexing, so-called fundamental indexing. Uh, if historical data demonstrates that small cap and value do outperform over time, then uh, wouldn't building an index and investing in that index uh, make sense? So we do offer a wide variety of index
1: funds. So we do offer the nine Morningstar style boxes, if you will, and we have a small cap value index fund and a large cap value, and a small growth and mid growth, and you know the whole nine style boxes. So um, if an investor is inclined to to pursue small cap stocks or value stocks or the combination of the two, you can do that through a cap-weighted index fund It's really just capturing that entire segment of the market. Uh, That just begs the question, if you really want to take that factor bet, and I think the investors have to determine that for, for themselves. Okay,
0: uh, let's switch gears. Talk about ETFs. Uh, you've managed to quickly move Vanguard into a leadership position in the ETF space. Uh, ETFs are widely seen as trading vehicles. Uh, how do you reconcile the the short-term nature of the ETF business with Vanguard's long-standing uh, emphasis on taking that long-term approach to investing?
1: So there are a wide variety of investors that would invest in ETFs and it could be long-term investors. Uh, I myself invest in our ETFs and I'm a long term investor in those ETFs. Um, there can be some investors that are looking for very short term exposure, whether it's uh, uh, an institution that's moving from one manager to another and they want market exposure in between, but it's only a month. Uh, they may use it for that reason. There could be hedge funds and there could be just flat out market timers. We've actually looked at our investors that use our Vanguard brokerage service and looked at their trading patterns and we've determined that, that those investors who invest in both ETFs and in our index mutual funds have similar um, uh, trading patterns in, in whether they're in the conventional index fund or whether they're in the ETF. So just because you can trade it doesn't mean you have to trade it. Uh, um, so it's a vehicle that really can accommodate all types of investors and I don't think that uh, uh, it, it entices people to trade just because you can.
0: You've defended high-speed trading as a net positive. Is it worth the occasional market meltdown that we've seen?
1: I don't think uh, various spikes in volatility we've seen have been due to high-frequency trading. Uh, You can track them back to a macroeconomic event, and we've certainly had plenty of macroeconomic events over the last, well, my 25-year career. And and so, uh, so I don't believe that there is um, necessarily a correlation between high frequency trading and volatility in the marketplace. I guess for me the litmus test is to actually look at transaction costs. And we, we look at our transaction costs 20 years ago at that point, um, we were paying 125 basis points. Today we might be paying 25 basis points. And I'm not just brokerage commissions, but more importantly bid office of spreads and market impact, the, the bigger co- components of transaction costs. So we've seen that come down, um, not certainly not all due to high-frequency trading. Uh, there's a, 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 an ever changing ecosystem out there where we've seen uh, a change in the order handling rules that led to a lot a lot more electronic exchanges. We saw decimalization come into place, Reg NMS, high-frequency trading, all of these things I think have compounded to make a, a more uh, efficient market for us. Uh, so, you know, again the litmus test is are we better off today or were we better off in the good old days? Well, I look back and I don't think the good old days were all that good. So um, at the same time, I would certainly acknowledge that um, there is no one strategy called high-frequency trading. It's, it's, It's basically... Um, traders who trade very very quickly, milliseconds, and uh, and there can be literally hundreds and hundreds of strategies employing these fast trading techniques. Uh, I think that some of them may be abusive. I don't know that there are, but if they're if they are abusive and manipulating markets, that's illegal and it should be stopped. Um, I do believe the vast, vast majority of them actually are enhancing the marketplace with liquidity and um, and making a uh, a more efficient market uh, across various
0: venues. Well Gus, thanks very much for sharing your insights with us today and thank you for watching. You can access our entire library of content at cfainstitute.org